Hey, Real Nerds listeners. There's many ways you can interact with the Real Nerds podcast. You can email us at realnerds at gmail.com. You can hit us on Twitter at Real Nerds. You want to check us on Facebook? You can. Just look for Real Nerds Podcast. You want to leave us a voicemail? Just call 720-6NERDS5. You want to listen to our episodes? You can check us out on Stitcher, iTunes, Spotify, and iHeartRadio. Thanks for listening and enjoy the show. This is Real Nerds Podcast, and every week on Real Nerds Podcast, we go see a new movie and we podcast our experience to the world. This week, we saw Nobody. Stay tuned till the end of the episode, where we will tell you if you see the film, play the trailer, and then spoil the movie. I am joined every week by my good friends, Brad. What's up? And Zach. Hello. And we're coming to you by the power of Zoom. It compels you. Is that the... Wait, wait, wait. Is that the tagline for Zoom? <laughs> you think I, Zoom's just like this whole year is going, we are making so much money. <laughs> they're pretty much Scrooge McDuck jumping into a pile of coins. <laughs> oh, so they're falling flat on their face and beating the head out, beating their skulls out with blood because you can't do that with pennies, man. Come on. Uh, you I can. I not remember Scrooge that, DuckTales. No, remember Family Guy taught us that that would be impossible. <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember kid, Family Guy. I always wanted to jump into something like that. <laughs> <laughs> I just, rem- I, I don't remember much of Family Guy, but there are moments when it, when it pops back into my memory, and that one going like, ah, ah, why would they do this? <laughs> Jeffrey, that's why we have Family Guy. We're in Orlando uh, one night when we were just hanging out in our hotel room i just turned on cartoon network as family guy was on and as an episode i had seen where brian marries this girl who he thinks is going to die from cancer and she ends up not dying and she gets really fat and she walks around the house just farting <laughs> i don't remember that at all that must and be kelly later. could not stop laughing oh <laughs> uh... <laughs> yep wow yeah good stuff is that could you could you track the year that you did you check the info to see what year that episode? Yeah, was I mean, from? I'm pretty sure I have that one. I have to, you know, I'm working on so many freaking articles right now. I really got to buckle down and finish them. <laughs> and uh, but I'm going through the whole Family Guy series. Yeah, the so freaking, I have the freaking sweet article series. Yeah, yeah. So I have season 18, but I haven't opened it or watched it, and I'm pretty sure it's from that one. Oh, okay. That would explain um, why I don't remember this at all. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah. <laughs> you know, Kellen also told me he's today, he said, Daddy, why do I have such ginormous farts and my butt is so little? <laughs> I don't know how to answer that, but it's funny. There, there, there's no answer, Ryan. You leave it a mystery. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyways, on Real Nerds, we also talk about Movies we've watched throughout the week, movie news, and movies that are coming out that you can purchase. Mm-hmm. But I'm gonna, I'm gonna preempt our show a little bit. I'm gonna give the spotlight to Brad because one of his films won an award. Brad, tell us what film won the award and what. The uh, 
The Legend of Drunken Brewmaster won Best Comedy Short at the Colorado Short Circuit Film Festival. Nice. That's right. Congratulations, Brad. Thank you. It's an honor. Did I send you something or a PDF like certificate? <laughs> yeah, there will be a PDF certificate. Uh, yeah, the, the awards were a um, pre-recorded uh, teleconference thing. So, who, who selected the awards? Was it the organizers of the event? Yeah, they have like their own set of like anonymous judges. Um, oh wow, cool! So, yeah. Um, you say they're anonymous, Brad? Huh? Yeah. Really? What if I were to tell you they were all me? That's why you won. <laughs> that make me feel bad because <laughs> it means I was probably not selected on the quality of my film, but rather, uh. Just like the Oscars, rigged. Yeah, it feels like you might be playing favorites. <laughs> no, I'm oh. not the judges. <laughs> That's good. Good to know. Congrats, Brad. Thanks. Hopefully, keep I can keep making work. making stuff. I, I had three uh, films in there, so glad at least one of them did like <laughs> did well. <laughs> Well, no, I mean, if, if it's anonymous judges, that means they're just looking at it subjectively, you know? So that's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, I, I Hopefully someday I can do a feature. I feel like time's running out on that, but... Time's never running for, out, Brad. For that, uh, for uh, Drunken Brewmaster? Uh, no, I like, in general, I hope at some point I get to do a feature, like an original What feature. ideas do you have for a feature? That's the problem. Like, I don't have 90 minutes worth of anything of an idea. What about a story about a guy who creates a turtle's Instagram page? Uh, be probably pretty boring. No, I don't know. There was that one fun time when we were trying to film a commercial <laughs> for the for the cups for Comic-Con that didn't happen. I think it's a like, very, very niche audience. Yes, but... Turtle people pay big money for anything turtle related. <laughs> this is true. Except for me. I'm going to stop doing that. <laughs> I, I'm, I mean, you and I have bandied about the idea of a drive-in uh, a drive-in film. And I think that's something you should definitely do. Yeah. Let's figure that you know, out. I had this idea going around in my head and it's only a, like a short film. But I always wanted uh, like a gut punch kind of movie. So the the premise of the film is it's really like a, a silly comedy, um, mm -hmm. you know, for the first like 10 minutes. And it revolves around uh, a couple people trying to go somewhere and it's really silly and stupid. And the one dude, they like get in the car and then um, out of nowhere, there's like a slasher in the back and he murders them. I always like wanted to do like a gut punch movie where you think it's one thing, and it's totally not. Would definitely um, have to. It would limit how the trailers would uh, be able to pitch it. Well, yeah, no, you pitch it as the comedy. Yeah, and and you'd call it something stupid like the trip. You know what I mean? <laughs> um, the excursion. <laughs> yeah, I know. Gut punch like, the movie. Yeah, yeah, gut punch. <laughs> well, no, because that still kind of gives it away. Like I want it to be so vanilla the title, where you would think it's just some stupid rom com or something. Our journey. And I, I, I just love the idea of like someone getting in their car and 
not even like slitting a throat, but I don't know, like punching through the backseat of the car and like blowing their chest out or something. Like, oh Ryan, like ripping their heart out from the back of the seat. <laughs> Ryan, do you need to take some time off work? No, I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> I think of these things because I'm such a good person. <laughs> He's Brad, he can multitask. He can he can do his job, but he can also get creative. You know, this is this is the curse of all of us working outside of those realms. I'm just concerned. He's like mostly sitting in that in that squad car, you know, eight hours a day, just picking up whatever. <laughs> That's what I think. I was like, man, how could I brutally murder someone? <laughs> but something along the lines yeah. of that, where you ex- expect the the movie to, or the even the short to be something that it's totally not. Yeah, I always I, thought it would be really fun. So then my question is, does it become a, a horror comedy at that point, or do you completely veer it 180? No, I do like a sincere horror movie. Yeah, no, totally 180. Okay. Um, That's you know, interesting. It's, like I said, just something where it's so mundane that people don't expect it. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Like well, Dave, that, go to get a Happy Meal at McDonald's, the movie. Yeah, something like that. <laughs> It'd be like guys trip, <laughs> dude driving. Yeah. Hey, dude trip, dude trip. It could, it'd be a bunch of like frat bros talking about how they're gonna go to I don't know, drink beer at the Coors Brewery for the beer tour. We and did. it's just really stupid comedy until they get into the car and they just get dispatched. I don't know. Or Stuff they could like go that. to the brewery, and then one by one, they get picked off by the uh, the brewmaster. The brewmaster, <laughs> <laughs> and like the Coors Brewery has a bunch of like a little um, I don't know what would be the twenty twenty one equivalent of Oopa Loopas, um, micro brewers, <laughs> bunch of little hipsters. Yeah, they're just tiny little hipsters. <laughs> micro hipsters. <laughs> theoretically we're also kind of also curbing from yoga hosers at this point <laughs> anyways way to ruin can... my idea guys fuck no 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 well but... we're brainstorming <laughs> yeah we're trying to figure it out no, 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 it's either. stupid okay i get it fuck. <laughs> no 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 movie. you know what you know what here here's my question ryan do they go into the woods for it like do they do they go into the woods or is it just like they could be stopped at any given point on the map. And that's when everything starts to veer off course. Yeah, exactly. No, you don't want to set it up where people expect something to happen. Mm. I'm talking about stuff like happening in broad daylight, you know? Ooh, middle of a park. Or... <laughs> it's, all, it's all very, very frightening because it could go in either direction as a genre. But um, I'm trying to think of a movie that does that and manages to hold for the rest of its like 80 or 90 minutes that sincere tone after 10 minutes of slapstick. Because like, Hostel would be the go-to example, but even that sets up a lot of the terror and still has dark humor strewn about it. So yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure what the, what, the, what the best equivalent would be. Yeah, Real Nerds listeners, figure out a movie for us that completely veers off course after the first 10 minutes like and just 180s its genre. <laughs> Anywho, we also talk about uh, movie news. Did I say this part? Maybe. You did. Uh, but do it again. Yeah, it's let's been a while. Some, uh, <laughs> some movie news then. 
it's real news. Okay, what what let's let's start off with some good news, guys. We've we've earned some good news. You know what the good news is? Regal Cinemas is coming back. We will be reopening Regal Cinemas um, uh, beginning with the weekend of Godzilla vs. Kong. Uh, so by the time, weekend. Yeah. So by the time you listen to this, um, they will already be reopened. But I, I don't know. Um, I'm like, uh, this weekend, because, uh, you know, our film of the week is going to be uh, Godzilla vs. Kong. It feels finally like a really big movie. You know what I mean? Yeah. That this like an event movie where you have to see it on a big screen. Yeah, Not the biggest one since Tenant. Yeah, but and but the difference is is that Warner Brothers is well, one they're still treating this as a split as a split release, so it's still going to be available on HBO Max for people who are still not vaccinated or don't feel comfortable going out there. Um, but the other one is these are two known IP going toe to toe in the middle of the ocean and then a city. It's like, it's, it's the thing we want to see who didn't watch that trailer and then just went on buying tickets and or planning to see this at home, whatever the case may be, who wasn't thinking I'm going to watch this because story, let's face it. Story is probably not going to matter. The most important part is watching Godzilla and Kong beat the crap out of each other. (laughs) And I'm on board for this. Um, which is different. I know, I'm going to see it in IMAX, I think. So that's so that's what I was guessing. That since Regal is reopening, I'm assuming that the Colorado Center Nine will be as well. But I didn't see anything about specific locations or how long it might take for them to all unfold or whatever. So because um, I haven't seen anything at the Regal that's near my work in terms of them like having people get in and get ready. So yeah, um, I don't know either. Yeah. Interesting, but anyway, yeah, yeah. I know there's an IMAX at uh, Highlands Ranch, so yeah, but it's not the true IMAX. The true IMAX is at the Colorado Center Nine because the specifications are absolutely correct. Um, but I also don't know if Godzilla v Kong was shot for IMAX, so that might also factor into it. Um, anywho, there will be options um, on the HBO Max track. Um, the Clint Eastwood's newest movie will be arriving in the fall, uh, Cry Macho. Um, it's not the story that I thought it was going to be when I thought the movie was called Cry Nacho, which is just a picture of me eating nachos while crying. No, this is another Clint Eastwood movie that you can watch in that same dual release format, both in theaters and or on HBO Max, um, featuring Dwight Yoakam uh, and uh, Paul Lincoln Elio. So yeah, if you want to check out more Clint, you can do that this fall. Um and then Peter Jackson will be honored with the Visual Effects Society's Lifetime Achievement Award for his works in digital effects, uh, spanning from the Lord of the Rings to the Hobbit trilogy to the remake of King Kong. So congratulations, Mr. Jackson. More than well-deserved. Um, and then, let's see. The, the, there is going to be a weekly excursion of treasure protecting guys. Cause we're getting a national treasure TV series at Disney plus with Mira Nair uh, at the helm of it. Um, who was the director of queen of Cotway. Um, so yeah. Uh, 
I don't see anything about bringing back a certain uh, star of the history of swear words, but what what does a National Treasure TV show look like to you guys? If you even it's, want, it's it. about me going out looking for treasures. <laughs> <laughs> wait, wait, wait! Do you what do you do with those treasures? Who, what, where? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> He's you're you've got to protect them and or you've got to steal them to protect them. So Ryan, if you see the Declaration of Independence, what do you got to do? <laughs> I'm going to steal it. <laughs> um, uh, I can almost guarantee you, John Voigt won't be anywhere near this project, and that's fine. Anyway, moving on. Uh, so we talked about the Snyder Cut last week um, of 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 the Justice League. Uh, and the Flash movie is currently still in development, and it looks like Billy Crudup will no longer be playing Barry Allen's dad. They will be replaced by Ron Livingston, uh, last seen within the Conjuring series. Uh, so yeah, I hope they just don't film it on a Monday. Jeez. <laughs> Wait. That's an Office Space joke? <laughs> yeah, I haven't watched Office Space in a while, Ryan. Please don't expect me to remember it the way others do. <laughs> I... <laughs> Ryan, have you brought back my stapler? <laughs> um, anyway, Milton was the hero of that movie. Anyway, um, guys, we got a trailer for another Edgar Wright thing. <laughs> that, not the one that he's been sitting on for a year. This one is Dolby Atmos uh, has partnered with him, and they are re-releasing Scott Pilgrim vs. the World in a new... Um, version of the film that has been recalibrated for Dolby Atmos and Dolby Vision. Uh, so yeah, you can check that out as part of a 10th anniversary re-release. So yeah. Mm-hmm. It also makes it sound like there's going to be a 4K of that. Mm-hmm. That that seems to be the presumption going into this. Now, unfortunately, Scott Pilgrim seems to have bad timing when it comes to theatrically releasing things because we still have a lot of issues getting people into theaters, obviously because of the pandemic. And the first time they released Scott Pilgrim in the theaters, it had to go up against a dumb uh, Sylvester Stallone movie. So I'm going to go ahead and assume this may not make a bunch of money, but it'll be fun for the people who can get a chance to go see it. Um, I certainly will be um, making an attempt to do so because I'm sure it's going to be playing at the Highlands Ranch one with the Dolby Atmos. So, Um, but yeah, uh, it's almost kind of like we should have (laughs) waited If we had known this was going to happen, we should have waited and done our retro review of Scott Pilgrim after seeing it in Dolby Atmos. Yeah. Well, I think they it was it was supposed to come out last year, but they obviously yeah. didn't put it out. Yeah, because it keeps saying for the tenth anniversary. And I'm like, that was last year, guys. Right? Get your press release right. But that makes more sense now. Um, hey, speaking of trailers, um, why don't we just jump to the big, big trailer news? Um, we got a trailer for the Suicide Squad. James Gunn's is the Suicide Squads. Um, yeah, what's, uh, uh, as we all know, I'm comic book dumb. So I want to, I want to hear you guys talk about what's cool about this. Well, if you look really closely, uh, when they're walking in front of the flag, you can see weasels junk. (laughs) (laughs) And that's, what's cool about it. All right, right, cool. Anyway, moving on. Uh, we got two deaths this week. No, no, let's keep talking. uh, Actually, I love the opening where they're going to bust out Harley Quinn. And she's already busted out. And she's so moved by them coming to get her. She says, I'll go back in there if you want. <laughs> that's why I, th- I thought at first, but uh, when uh, Bloodsport says, like, that's patronizing, I think she was just, like, 
screwing with him. Oh yeah, yeah, she is. But I think it's funny. Oh yeah, like I, I love uh, I love Margot tone. Robbie as Harley Quinn. I think she gets the character really well. Um, yeah, like the whole trailer is just tons of fun. Like uh, when Peacemakers and Bloodsport are like walking through the the jungle and they're having that exchange, and <laughs> you know, Peacemaker like actually explains like why eating a bunch of dicks would be <laughs> improbable, but <laughs> yeah. do it anyway. <laughs> for liberty <laughs> no problemo. i don't know if i wanted anybody else as king shark but, uh after the harley quinn cartoon but i'm down for sly stallone as king shark did you see uh james gunn's uh like how like what he asked stallone he's just like hey uh, i wrote a part specifically specifically for you it won't take a much uh take much, too much of your time um how was the second half of it Ah, shit, I don't remember. But that was like most like, hey, I just got this tiny little thing for you. To- oh, yeah, it was just like, you're playing a shark that eats people. Um, it's Sloan's <laughs> like, let's laugh. He's like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, you know, Sloan seems to be more in, down with the voiceover stuff because, you know, he's in Mortal Kombat. And I mean, really? like, uh, Stallone, yeah, he's Rambo. Oh, I thought um, you had the movie. Oh, yeah, no. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. But, um, you know, you should just embrace what. You know, he's been in movies for 50 years. Just start doing fun things. I'm yeah. like, that's why I want to, I'm assuming he's on board for Guardians 3 or like some I form think, of turning in it. Yeah, I think he already is. I mean, I don't know what the story is, but. I don't care. I, I really liked him in that scene in um, uh, Volume 2. Like, I thought it was a really like, it's 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 like one of those like yes it's a cameo that sets up a future appearance but I'm like it's a really good scene it's like really intriguing like I want to know more about this <laughs> yeah like I also don't know a ton about a uh, polka dot man but the fact that they make him like a depressed emo guy who's like probably <laughs> hates being polka dot man um yeah I have this feeling that a lot of those guys are gonna die really soon in the movie <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's that's why there's so many. Although I'm I'm wondering who Taika Waititi is still like because he's not Starro. James Gunn squashed that, so yeah. I, don't know I do left. love that Starro's the villain. <laughs> I mean, he's really know. powerful in DC, but he's so ridiculous that <laughs> yeah. But I guess it like he creates like smaller Starros that attach people's faces. So yeah, I'm guessing they'll be like be, it might be like a zombie movie. Hmm. That'd be sweet. It looks like a hell of a lot of fun. I like that it feels, I don't want to say feels different, but it just like, it feels like there's something visually more um, intriguing about it than the last couple of DC movies, even with the stuff I've enjoyed out of Wonder Woman and even Aquaman. Like it does feel like it, it, I don't know if maybe Ryan got this vibe too, and maybe you did Brett, but um, I got like a dirty dozens feel out of it. Like, like a men on a, a guys on a mission movie, but instead of just guys, it's like a bunch of superheroes. So you can get Harley Quinn and other characters in there. Um, so it doesn't feel like Suicide Squad by Air felt still bounded into the that universe thing, and it didn't feel like the men on a mission movie. It could have felt That's this one feels more me. like it. What really? I didn't yeah. get that feeling out of Suicide Squad at all. <laughs> this, the, whole, was... the whole premise of like assembling people and sending them on a mission. I guess that's even Predator. Yeah, but like, but Ayers didn't do that same thing for me. Like, because they kind of bungled that premise with all the other things it has to insert in there. Feels like 
Gunn's not beholden to anything, at least what the trailer is telling me. The whole the, experiencing the movie may be an entirely different scenario, but. Well, you know, too, you know that it's probably going to be somewhat of a good movie because they've already okayed the Peacemaker like series on HBO Max. So, you know, Warner Brothers has a lot of faith in it. Is Cena playing Peacemaker? Yep. Okay. Gotcha. I think gotcha. it's an animated uh, series, but I'm not 100% sure. <laughs> that be. <laughs> given given the language I've seen the character use in the trailer thus far, I'm, I'm curious about an animated series with John Cena doing that. That'd be friggin' easy, interesting. I mean, the Harley Quinn series. Like, I know, I still haven't watched it yet. <laughs> it's not that weird. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> to be yeah, R-rated. It's a little weird. <laughs> well, it's weird, but it's not weird to be R-rated, so. Mm. Um, uh, anyway, I, I, I do want to move on to another piece of good news. Ryan, you ready for some good news? Yep. Tribeca Film Festival will be the first Northern American film festival to be bringing back in-person screenings. Nice. So starting in its upcoming 2021 edition this summer, the people will be able to go from June 9th to June 20th um, to a 12-day outdoor festival with Tribeca. So yeah, that's going to be the return of in-person screenings. As far as when other festivals will be Resuming these practices and protocols um, will be on a determined basis. I know Cannes trying to figure out their shit. I did get um, an email from uh, Telluride Horror Show saying they're going to start selling tickets, I think, tomorrow, mm-hmm. actually. <laughs> wow. Okay, let's see how this all plays out. Um, before we move on to the bereavements of the day, um, I want to point you guys to a trailer that I then hope hope to God you will all forget. Uh it's, it's called Wall Street, and it's not W-A-L-L Street. It's W-A-H-L Street. Mark Wahlberg produced a documentary about himself. I, I'm, I'm done. I'm, I'm done. And I'm going to read the description for you guys so that hopefully you, you've gotten all that you need to know and don't need to watch it. The six-episode documentary series offers fans a glimpse into the global star Mark Wahlberg's life as he juggles the demands of rigorous film schedules coupled with an ever-growing network of diverse businesses, including his clothing line, Municipal, his gym studio, F45, restaurant chain, Wahlburgers, and his production company, Unrealistic Ideas. Along the way, viewers will learn powerful business and life lessons as he navigates the numerous challenges of a global pandemic, all while trying to maintain and expand his vast portfolio. Wall Street will also introduce the cast of colorful characters that make up Wahlberg's real life entourage. Yeah, no, no. Well, I mean, I can feel it. No, 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 no. Don't you dare, Ryan. Don't you dare. You'll look good and feel good while you're while you're watching it. <laughs> damn it, I hate you, Brad. <laughs> Say hi to your mother for me. God damn it. <laughs> It's a transformer. I got nothing. <laughs> <laughs> What's your daddy doing with the stadies? <laughs> no, oh wait, no, that's uh, that's the Departed. Um, that's a good movie. Um, anywho, though, actually, on the on the note of Boston, uh, March twenty sixth will be declared Leonard Nimoy Day. Um, uh, the so uh, the Boston Globe reporting that outgoing mayor Martin J. Walsh has designated March 26th to be Leonard, Leonard Nimoy Day to honor the West End natives contribution to the arts and roles like Mr. Spock on Star Trek, as well as his dedication to the community. Uh, so yeah, um, 
we can all maybe we can all hold a outdoor screening of Star Trek to the Wrath of Khan next March 26 guys. Um, and then we lost some folks this week, uh, two big names in particular, um, Oscar nominated star George Siegel, uh, who was in such films as Who, Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf uh, and Where's Papa and sitcoms like The Goldbergs is uh, passed away at the age of 87. Um, I think, uh, I mean, Ryan and I have definitely seen Virginia Woolf at some point, right, Ryan? Yeah. Like I've, seen, I've seen, okay, cool. Then I, And then um, he's also in such films as the original Fun with Dick and Jane from 1977, um, Who's, Who's Killing the Great Chefs of Europe, uh, and The Last Married Couple in America. Um, yeah, uh, he, he always seemed to have a fun vibe around him and he in virginia wolf he's he's in this tour de force with a bunch of other people like surrounding the scene but he holds his own uh my the thing that i rewatched siegel in the most is going to sound super strange there's a documentary about the warner brother family done by jack harry warner's granddaughter where he's interviewed naturally having worked with the studio during that later period and he describes jack warner in such a way where you see george siegel like basically exemplifying this jack warner attitude of like jack didn't care he you know what jack did he went i'm me and fuck you and i'm like so like every time i think of george siegel nowadays i'm going back to that quote um but yeah uh as recently he was starting on the goldbergs um so yeah uh hell of a legacy to leave behind um and then uh one of uh television's greatest mothers has left our uh left our graces jessica walters uh the star of such series as archer and of course as mama bluth in arrested development is uh dead at the age of 80 um uh walters is not just a television staple though she was on shows like the naked city uh in the alfred hitchcock hour and flipper and the fugitive etc but she was also the co-star in clint eastwood's directorial debut play misty for me which is his only slasher movie and it's a really good one where she plays an obsessed fan of clint eastwood's dj character and she just won't leave me alone um and uh but she won an Emmy. She she was primarily a television staple. She won an Emmy for her work in the 1975 limited series Amy Prentice. Um, and then, of course, once she took on the role of Lucille Bluth in the rest of development, she achieved uh, an immortality. Um, do you, does anybody here have a favorite Lucille Bluth moment? <laughs> oh, man, you're putting me on the spot. Uh, I, I, I know uh, it's been a while since we've all watched the series, but <laughs> yeah, I only went through once. But she is uh, one of those characters that is the glue that holds the show together for me. Mm -hmm. She's Um, also the the most evil of the blue. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, I guess what she calls her uh, adopted son, (laughs) Anyun. Yeah. It's just really bad, but it's funny. (laughs) Yeah. Here's some some money. Go see a Star (laughs) Wars. Yeah. I still love in the second uh, episode of the series where she's like, I mean, it's a banana, Michael. How much can it cost? $10? <laughs> <laughs> um, actually, from the moment that she says a single sentence in that series, you already know how horrible she is. Because <laughs> yep. 
because uh, her line of look what the homosexuals have done to me now is like it, it, when you watch the show you'll understand that like it's a horrible person saying a horrible horrible thing um but uh and then also uh i if you're trying to tell me that i don't love love him that's impossible i love all my children equally and then it cuts to a later uh, earlier scene where she goes i don't care for job <laughs> <laughs> um so yeah, and then as we all know from like in the season three reveal when it's revealed that she's kind of the mastermind behind a lot of nonsense in, in the first three seasons because I've still not watched that fifth um, that fifth season that came out. I stopped after the fourth one when they uh, left it on that cliffhanger with Lucille too. But um, but yeah, hell of a legacy to leave behind. And I'm not a big Archer watcher, but she plays Archer's mom on the show, right? Um, unless I'm crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Good stuff. Okay. Yeah. Sweet. And that's news. Unless I missed anything. Nice. We get movies on Blu-ray and Ultra HD. Let's see what's coming out this week. Mm-hmm. DVD releases and Blu-rays. All right. All right. Just settle in, guys. Settle in. Where's your Messiah now? Why, he's on 4K, of course. You can get the Ten Commandments from 1956 on 4K. Um, I'm actually... Martin was a 15. <laughs> he shouldn't have dropped that tablet. It's, 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 That's a deleted scene from yeah, the Ten Commandments. Yep, cl- clumsy hands, clumsy hands, Moses. <laughs> I hear you, I hear you. A deaf man could hear you. What? <laughs> Um, and then, of course, the bigger new release, uh, Wonder Woman 1984, is getting its 4K uh, release. Uh, there's also a steelbook from uh, Best Buy, which looks like a, a like a very elaborate um, psychedelicish painting. <laughs> uh, and then you can also get the psychedelicish uh, poster art. Um, and then moving into other catalog titles. Uh, looks like the Bad News Bears is getting a re-release from Paramount Pictures. Uh, so if you want to pick up the Tatum O'Neill, Walter Matthau original 76 classic, uh, do so. It's a fun movie. And you know what's not bad? The remake. It's not bad. Not great, but not bad. <laughs> um, uh, and then Isle of the Dead is coming to you guys from Warner Archive, uh, starring Boris Karloff. Uh, and uh, yeah, this is um, a part of the Val Luton series. So if you want to check, if you want to get another dosage um, out of that from Warner Archive, this will be your chance. Um, and then this is right next to it. So I'm just going to say it right now. Uh, you can get Nosferatu in Venice with Klaus Kinski from Severin Films. Um, yeah, uh, I don't believe this is, yeah, this is not the same uh this is something additionally from the nosferatu that he did with herzog um yeah it's a bizarre movie i i read a review of it i've never seen it but it sounds interesting i i like watching klaus kinski and things i've never heard of this i know of the like i said i know the of the other one what the fuck is this then <laughs> ryan should we blind by this <laughs> uh no <laughs> no maybe i will i'll maybe i'll be that bold why not Sure. Uh, yeah, sure. <laughs> let me let me waste my money. You've got a family to raise. Um, uh, defending your life with Albert Brooks and Meryl Streep is coming to you from Criterion Collection. 
Uh, and let's see. We also have The Greatest Show on Earth from 1952 coming to us from Paramount Classics. Um, is this a classic, Ryan? I don't, I don't remember it being a classic. I know it won Best Picture and all, but is it a classic? Sure. Okay, fine. Um, anywho. Um, Amazon's and Barbarian Queen coming to you as a Screen Factory double bill. Um, internet only. Internet only. Oh, God. So you, you have to be involved in technology to get this? What the hell? Um, yeah, no, that makes perfect sense. They're doing a lot more of those lately, aren't they? Where it's just Yeah, internet. well, they only make a thousand of them. And those movies look so shitty. I said, man, I, should, I might get those. But then, I don't know. <laughs> how expensive? How expensive are they compared to say the event horizon? I think it's last week. I think it's twenty seven dollars. <sighs> Two movies. That's not bad. That's not bad. No, especially if you end up like finding it at a deal somehow. Uh, yeah, probably not. They sell out really fast. Okay, well then I'm not. I'm not going to even try, Ryan. That, that that just that's that seems like a venture doomed to fail. <laughs> uh, the Agfa is putting out a movie called Jungle Trap with a tagline that says "Run, Coyote, Run." <laughs> Uh, in 1990, exploration auteur James Bryan pulled out his his video camera and made a decapitation fueled horror movie about a jungle hotel haunted by kill crazy ghosts and loincloths. The team at Bleeding School found it 26 years later and finished it. Ooh, interesting, interesting. Um, and then, of course, we've got. Criterion release of the Mike Lee film Secrets and Lies from 1996. Um, and from Warner Archive, we've got The Bermuda Depths from 1978. Uh, and uh, this was already supposed to have come out, but I guess I'll just say it in case it's uh, a newer thing. Um, or like they delayed it, but there is a steelbook of an American werewolf in London from Arrow that we talked about a few weeks back. It's listed on here. So if you haven't picked it up, hey, why not pick it up? Uh, and then the two film collection of Mortal Kombat is coming, is being issued in a Blu-ray, uh, steelbook. Oh, uh, fuck. I didn't know that's coming out. I got to pre-order that right now. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not even joking. That shit sells out so fast. Yeah. And, uh, Ryan, the steelbook does look pretty cool if you're a Mortal Kombat fan. Like, Which is 4K though. <laughs> I know. Well, I don't think they're ever going to release those on 4K. They don't want to spend the money. <laughs> yeah, they, they don't. They don't need to, guys. They've maybe the money. maybe maybe the first one, the second one, no way in hell. Yeah, yeah. Um, I do like. I did like watching the trailer for that new one on the big screen. I'm not a big Mortal Kombat guy, but like hearing the different, hearing, hearing what I like remember from the from the game with Get Over Here and whatnot, like that. I'm excited for this. It looks fun, guy. Yeah. Guy draws out blood and stabs him, freezes it and stabs him with it. It's fucking cool. <laughs> you just know that as soon as you buy it, they're going to announce the 4K version. Oh, totally. Oh, yeah. That's how, that's how this game works. Don't you get that? <laughs> the um, fuck? And then r- lastly, Ryan, this one was made just for you. Cohen Media Group has your back. Um, Journeys through French cinema. Uh, so yeah, if you want oh, a journey perfect. through French cinema, oh no, 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 Ryan. Uh, this is from the late Bertrand Chavanier. Uh, it says our nominated three and a half hour tour through French film history. <laughs> Ryan, hey. I'm, I'm going to get this. I know, I know I'm going to get you a copy and say April fools. <laughs> I, I, I have a, 
question for you. Answer. <laughs> Do you guys live by the Southland fucking Best Buy? Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, fuck, I can't order it because it ha- you have to have my ID. It's not going to be at Denver West tomorrow. Can I? I can go get it for you tomorrow morning. No, no, no. Open. Wait. Wait till. Oh, it is Monday night. Wait till after midnight and try to order it. Okay. If not, I'll send it. If you guys don't mind getting it for me. Yeah. If Ryan, if you if you can't get it, what what time does the South Glen one open, Brad? Like ten a.m. Oh, it's like different every day. I don't, okay. I stop keeping track. Uh, it opens at eleven. Okay, I get I go to work at uh I go to work at at ten tomorrow, Ryan. So then I'll uh, go on my first fifteen. Fuck, because I already pre-ordered the Wonder Woman steel book. Yeah, the uh, I, I learned like Monday night, like after midnight, maybe like one or two, they actually update the store inventory. So okay. sometimes you'll try to pre-order something and it says you can't get it at a certain store, but if you wait till like you know early early Tuesday morning before they open, then they tabulate like what they actually have in store and you can just pick it up then all right i'll, I'll send it to you because i fucking missed out on the dread one and it pissed me off and yeah ryan we ryan we're not gonna let you down here <laughs> well i'll send it to you if i can't get it if i i'll let you know yeah I'll, I'll you know what i'll have to do ryan if i go to get it on my break and somebody else grabs it i'll just fight him to the death in the middle of the store please do and then when I, and then when I finally defeat him and I finish it, I can say Zacco wins, and then I can just buy it and then go back to my shift at work, knowing that I've defeated a mortal com. I'm an, an enemy in Mortal Combat. Yeah, it's uh, showing the other stores you can pick it up are Parker, Southeast Aurora, Greeley, Grand Junction, Casper. Like that can't possibly be true. <laughs> like there's too many other metro area ones that are definitely going to have in stock. So all right, I hope so. All right, and that was Blu-rays, guys. We watch films throughout the week. No, the we segment don't. We call <laughs> what we've been watching. So, uh, yeah, this is the stuff we've been watching. Brad, what'd you watch this week? Uh, gosh, I was looking through the Best Buy stuff. I totally spaced what uh, what I uh, what I watched. Check my diary. Oh, I remember now. I watched Action Jackson, <laughs> <laughs> uh, which is a uh, I think a 1988 Carl Weathers. I swear it would it would be a spoof action comedy if it wasn't made in 1988. <laughs> um, it's, <laughs> it it's kind of feels like Last Action Hero, but it's like it doesn't have that making fun of the genre like awareness that Last Action Hero does. Um, but it's it's kind of similar. Carl Weathers is a, is a cop, and um, Craig T. Nelson is a rich guy who the public thinks is a good guy, but he's actually doing bad stuff behind the scenes. Um, getting people hooked on drugs and um, he owns a car dealership and Carl Weathers. I forget how he, Oh yeah. He already knows him because before this movie, they had some altercation with the bad guy's son. And so this son is in jail um as a result of action jackson's actions um you know he, he he's pretty much like the slater character um like just like goes around like there's a there's a car chase in the middle of the movie where he's like you know riding on the top of it like has his hands around it like punches out the window windshield with his fist um Sweet. 
uh, what's there's this one part where like there's a dinner party for all the like the rich people in town at the bad guy's mansion. The mansion, by the way, is Wayne Manor from 66 Batman. Is it? Yeah. Um, That's awesome. And there's like a sniper in the trees, <laughs> like right above everybody. Like like if everyone just kind of turned around, they would see him. But um, yeah, uh, gosh, I wish I hadn't watched it so early in the week because I, I love to talk more about the details. But the, the like the car he was holding on to like is riding down sidewalks and you know, push people out of the way. And then like it launches off of a car and then flies through the air and then through this like auto yard. And uh, the guy inside just disappears. He, he got away from this horrible accident. <laughs> um, and then. Uh, yeah. Like Sharon stone is in it and vanity. <laughs> um, so um, I just want to let you know that the, the uh, synopsis of it's awesome. Due to the use of excessive force in arresting a sexual predator, Detective Lieutenant Jericho Action Jackson is demoted to police sergeant. <laughs> oh, that's right. Yeah, uh, Bill Duke is his. Uh, that's you know, why his, his boss. That's why I want to see this movie because I want to watch Bill Duke. <laughs> and they're literally, literally by the end, like after. Oh my god, I just remembered. In the finale, Craig K. Nelson runs up like the stairs in his mansion, and Action J- Jackson hops into a. I forgot what it was actually called online, but they took like, I think a Fiero and like modded it into a Ferrari. <laughs> and then he drives it up the stairs in the mansion <laughs> up to the bedroom and like blows to the door. And then they have like, a, instead of they stop shooting each other and just get into a fist fight. Um, Why did you uh, watch Craig, this Brad? Cause now I want to watch it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, this, this seems like a pretty quick watch. I might just do this right afterward. 13% on Rotten Tomatoes. Yikes. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, I would, it, it would, if it wasn't, I would believe they made it being serious. Like they believe this was going to be an awesome action movie and it just totally plays like a spoof comedy. Um, but did yeah. You already, like, did you already mention Thomas F. Wilson being in it? I can't oh, remember. well, he's barely in it, but he's got like a super high billing. He's in the beginning and the end. <laughs> And he, I think there's a middle part where he's just cracking like bad jokes. Um, <laughs> but yeah, he's he's like really high build for someone who's barely in it. Yeah, but, Robert but, Davi in here, yikes! <laughs> yeah, he's barely in it. Um, but yeah, at the end, Bill Duke's like, after you know, Action Jackson saves his day. He's like, uh, looks like you uh, solved the case, uh, Lieutenant or Sergeant. Like he promotes him right there. Like he gives him his rank back. Uh, it's a classic. <laughs> Um, it's like no different than watching McBain the movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's such a similar thing. Like, I mean, if they were trying to make a spoof comedy, then great. Like, but it it just seems in in that era is really like trying to be the next, um, you know, like, like the next, next action, action hero. Yeah, yeah. Like it was, it was trying to do the movies that Stallone or Schwarzenegger and Stallone are doing. You know. The uh, the director of it, uh, I was looking into looking into it just now. He was the second unit director on um, Predator and uh, Reds, so he already knew Weathers at some point. So yeah, I forget. I think there's some other people. Oh yeah, um, Billy from Predator is also in it. Like it's got a huge oh, <laughs> stacked cast uh, from Predator and like a bunch of other movies. Like it's. Well, it's I was reading it's Joel Silver too. Um, so yeah, that's probably why as well. Yeah, like I think they were making a serious thing. Um, also, um, like the like one of the henchmen from Die Hard is in it. 
like the the cowboy one um yeah it's it. a lot of people from all those movies together in a single movie if you want to get the blu-ray it is on warner archive <laughs> yeah but it's on hbo max right now so i think i'll uh yeah that's where i watched it yeah it's not this is this, ryan this isn't like brain donors where i was really willing to just take that risk when somebody told me it's a marx brothers movie i i need to rewatch. i need to not rewatch. i need to watch action jackson before i commit to the physical copy on this one <laughs> Um. Yeah, and I think other than that, I've just been watching reruns of Double Dare. Where are those available? <laughs> uh, Paramount Plus, and it's uh, like gotcha. it's like original Double Dare, uh, where it's just two kids. It's not super sloppy or family Double Dare. Um, it's just two kids. And I, growing up, I could have sworn the kids like knew what they were doing, <laughs> but watching it now, like they can't even figure out how to pass a flag to each other. <laughs> Like I guess I remember like you know the nose booger one is not in the uh, first season. No. I think it's um, a family double dare thing. Yeah, like the, mm. the I've only watched like 45 episodes so far and there's like a only <laughs> <laughs> like they're half an hour and you know yeah like there's require a ton of attention but there's a 140 of them I think on Paramount Plus but they're listed wow. all as the first season. I don't think that's right. Because I think, yeah, it sounds there. like it's, it's a just a dump of them. <laughs> yeah, like season one, and here's all of them. Yeah, they're not remastered; they're in standard definition. And I, yeah, I think they, I think their regular double there before it became family was like three years. So I think it's all those three years are just dumped into yeah, a single sounds season. About right, maybe twenty seven episodes a season. Yeah, um, but yeah, it's, it's it's weird when. Like sometimes they'll have questions for the kids that are like references to adult media. I'm just like, why would a kid know that? <laughs> um, well, kids say the darndest things, Brad, and they know the darndest thing. You know, if it's like some like it references some like grown up movie that like why would a kid ever have watched that? You know, like who's writing these things? And then yeah, the like the the they seem so reluctant to get messy or do any of the physical challenges like they're always trying to just answer the questions like they don't want to do any of the physical stuff yeah and then yeah you know i always wanted to do the physical challenges me too like i would just just, like you can ask the question or do the physical challenge i would i would if if i knew the answer i would just say i didn't and just to get to the physical (laughs) challenge well you want to make sure you get some of them right because you want to go to the final where you have to run the obstacle course right right but you can eat up a ton of time by doing the physical, physical challenge and just completely like there's some episodes where some kids just sit over on the side and never get to answer. It's really sad because <laughs> it can get so lopsided. You know, they'll, they'll answer something simple like, you know, who's Alex Keaton on family ties. And then like the next he'll get like, how many miles to the sun is it? It's like, Oh man. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. There's something else I watched. I forgot to write it down. So that's it for me. Zach. Um, I actually watched a good deal of things. Um, really quickly, it's um, it's something I watched, um, but mainly because I re- was reviewing it before I had to before I told somebody was my two thoughts on it before it was released. Um, my uh, guest from episode eight of Ballyhoo, John Strelick, uh, he made a film in 2016 where I not only helped produce but I co-starred in it. 
called Antlers, and it has been turned into a web series. <clears throat> the first two episodes are available now on John's um, uh, YouTube page. And uh, so I rewatched the entirety of um, the first two episodes and kind of like got back into the world of it. <clears throat> and, you know, he he put together a very intriguing um, kind of like slackers, uh, slackers in Denver story mixed with a kind of ethereal uh, presence that kind of helps interfere in their lives. So it, I've kind of referenced it as like a, you know, a, a day in the life of these teen of these like mid to late twenties people in Denver um, mixed with a Coen brothers movie. Um, so it's, it's a lot of fun. Uh, Spencer Kane's in it. Uh, so if you've watched him in our Black Friday videos and you want to watch him do a little bit more of a longer substantial role, this is a good place to start. Um, folks have said I'm fine in it and I don't believe them, but whatever. Um, <clears throat> and then on to my regular titles. But yeah, check out Antlers. It's it's really a lot of fun. Um, and the next episode is coming out this Thursday and there will be episodes coming out coming up out. until the end of April. Um, but on to what I've been watching... Um, I actually decided to check out uh, The Babysitter, uh, which Ryan, you had talked about for a while. And it wasn't until re-listening re to my friend Smokey's show um, where he was praising the, uh, both, of, uh, both The Babysitter and Babysitter 2 that I'm like, I need to sit down and watch this. And Ryan, is this McGee's best movie? <laughs> well, maybe. I mean, well, it's I fun. Well, what's the yardstick that I measure this against? <laughs> I don't have an answer. I don't, but, but you've got to, please. Um, no, um, it's really, really, um, it's really inventive. I, I really, really uh, liked the angle that it, it really pushed into the comedy, which helped certain horror elements of it for me. Um, the the jock character who seems like a freaking Terminator for his whole chunk of the movie. <laughs> um like one of my favorite if, you, if anybody doesn't know the story of the babysitter is guy kid is getting babysitted by samara weaving uh he's in love with his babysitter and he finds out his babysitter and a group of other kids are uh sacrificing people to um satan to oh to they gotta get the blood of a of a guilty and the blood of an innocent to mix together and then they put it on top of the text of this book and any wish they have will come true um and so he's trying to evade them at a certain point and one of the characters is this this uh uh like i get not roided he's not roided up but he's just like way too intense for his own good jock um is chasing him around and at one point he's about to chase him and then suddenly this bully that's been bullying the uh the the babysitter the babysat kid <laughs> comes to this house and is egging his house and he goes like are you gonna let him do that to your house <laughs> and he's just like no you 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 go over there and you defend your house so he stops the chase of a serial killer to tell him to stand up for himself like it was like it was really really well executed comedy and then when he hangs himself outside the treehouse that was i did not expect that to happen um so yeah, it was a lot of fun. It's not a perfect movie, but it's also uh, it's hitting a lot of cylinders super well that I would absolutely recommend it. Um, Samara Weaving's great in it, and um, I I'm, I believe it's Ken Marino plays his dad, Ryan. 
I think it's his stepdad, isn't it? Or is it his real dad? I can't remember. No, that's his real dad because his friends is the one with the stepdad who has the uh, who's like acting like an abrasive jackass. Ah, um, that's right. Yeah, um, and it's not the. St- I think it's he's either the stepdad or a divorced dad. I have no idea what the fuck that thing is. But anyway, um, uh, but there's also a scene involving a needle. So like basically, she Samara Weaving knocks out uh, the kid. Uh, so that she could just draw blood from him so she doesn't have to kill him because it's there's a logical step of just like if i you know if i keep killing innocents and whatnot then i'm just going to leave a trail behind me and she's going to uh, get the blood from him and they already established in a previous scene that he doesn't like needles ryan that needle scene is somehow more tense and frightening than the needle pit in saw two and there's and and it's and it's literally like at the opposite ends of each spectrum. Um, so yeah, I'm curious about the second one uh, based on this, but I would recommend people watch The Babysitter if they haven't. Um, not Like I said, it's not perfect. Not every joke worked for me even, but I really did enjoy, enjoy it. Um, I rewatched Dolomite is my name. That movie's still pretty damn perfect for me. Um, and then I went through some Marx Brothers stuff. Um, one of the things that I just picked up in that realm is the uh, classic flicks, which is a label I've never heard of uh, put out a Blu-ray of a night in Casablanca. Um, and I got it today. And the thing that I watched on it was, so the Marx brothers, when they, when they started working for MGM onward, they would tour um, in preparation for, before they would go to film their movies, they would tour and test material out on people. And I'm not a Marx Brothers expert, but to my knowledge, we don't have any audio or video of them actually doing these tours and testing out the material until this release where there's five minutes of audio where you hear Groucho and Chico uh, testing out material in front of an audience. And you can hear where things aren't working and where things are working and it's five minutes of audio, but it is the it is the primary reason to pick up this Blu-ray, apart from the fact that you are getting one of the last good Marx Brothers movies uh, available in a HD format. Um, because Night at the Opera and Day at the Races aren't available. I doubt we're ever getting the remaining MGM uh, films out there. And the movie after this, Love Happy, which is available on Blu-ray and that I haven't seen yet, is supposed to be you know, kind of a pointless venture with the exception of watching the best of Harpo that can be gotten out of him when he's supposed to get his own solo movie. Um, But so Ryan, that's a Marx Brothers Blu-ray that if you can get it, you will get this five minute audio clip of uh, listening to them test out material. Um, So it's not for a radio show. This is from the tour. Um, It's awesome. And then I also watched some of the bonus features on Curse of Frankenstein, which is another pickup that I got on Ryan's recommendation. And I'm very hammer ignorant and I need to learn more. Um, I'm trying to do that and Amicus now. Um, And uh, so listening to them talk about the history of the Curse of Frankenstein, it's like I, I, I can't remember each Hammer movie that I've seen. But now knowing the importance of this particular piece, I'm just like, oh, I'm down to start like really digging into Hammer now. Well, yeah, it's well. It's great about the special features on that Blu-ray, which you can read about on my number seven film of favorite Blu-rays of last year. Is mm-hmm. they kind of touch on they have like a history X on there, 
E from T extras. Mm-hmm. And um, and I'm trying to remember. I know I've seen the Dracula one that they put out on Scream, I believe. Um, a lot of what I remember of Hammer was whenever I would get glimpses of it or if I would pick up like random titles, but I don't remember which ones I picked up when I was younger. So... Ryan, I think you and I need to maybe start sitting down with some Hammer movies. And just yeah, like, I have a few. I, I pick them up usually when Scream releases them. Every I, know, once, I mean, you're ahead of me on that. I mean, I don't pick up everyone, but I do. Uh, and I pick them up like I have another Warner Archive one where it's Taste the Blood of Dracula, just because I like the name of it. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, the movie's okay, but the, the title is badass. Yeah. But, I mean, Hammer's style is so unique that you know Hammer's style even if you've not sat down with one of them. Like, I I mean, I think I learned about Hammer via Tim Burton from um, Sleepy Hollow because Sleepy Hollow is essentially playing out like a Hammer movie, Um, especially with the way the blood is visualized on screen. Um, And then... uh, my friends at Pop Culture Brews did an episode on The Godfather, and I was like, I haven't watched The Godfather in a while. Maybe I'll try to do the trilogy. And I only got to the first one. Um, but rewatching it, I found much more appreciation for it than I have in the past. Um, it's still not my gangster cup of tea, per se, but I, I really I did find myself kind of getting lost in its universe and not judging it on the scale of the greatest movie of all time or whatever. I was just like, you're just watching a gangster movie. And they just kick into that mode. Um, and it does, it, it does move the way he wants it to like an opera and tragedy left and right. It, it, it's still a pretty damn near perfect film. It's not a film that like, I can tell people like, just watch this any old time. It's like, no, it's a commitment. Um, and uh, so I, I, it's it's weird, Ryan. I don't think this is one of the greatest movies ever made, but it's a gangster movie that when I'm watching it by side by side with something like, say, uh, a Goodfellas or something like that, it's interesting to watch two different directors approach it from two very different points of the spectrum. Um, yeah, because I mean, Scorsese's much more energetic. You know, <laughs> that's um, the fun with lots of films. You know, it's just seeing what how people interpret it you know yeah no and um and actually that it did compel me that like when i got um that big uh chunk of blu-rays with the marx brothers and curse of frankenstein it was a three for two deal and they were offering the death of michael corleone the godfather coda and i was like well i I, i've already invested money in the trilogy right now as it stands so i think free is a perfectly reasonable price for (laughs) this third this new version of the movie um, so I will report back on watching part three and then Coda back to back to see which cut works Fuck. better. That's commitment. Not not in the same day. I'm gonna. I'm oh, gonna say, Fuck, no, 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 Ryan. I I know that I'm insane enough to rewatch The Irishman ten times since its release. I'm not so crazy that I'm gonna watch the same movie. Th- same three hour ish movie back to back and see what the d- exact differences are. I-, I do have some kind of life. 
Um, whether or not it's worth anything, you guys will have to be the judge. Uh, um, <laughs> come on now. You're very important to everybody. Oh, boo. Anyway, uh, and then uh, we'll, we'll get to the fun thing. I rewatched Escape from New York and Escape from L.A. last night because I was needing a break. And um, so uh, obviously I love Escape from New York enough to put it at number two on my 1981 list above a bunch of, um, you know, wrong people. But uh, the uh, Ryan, I hadn't watched the Escape from L.A. print since I got it uh, from Scream Factory. It looks Mm -hmm. pretty damn good. Uh, But that also means that those visual effects that never looked good to begin with look even worse. (laughs) Um, The surfing? (laughs) No. Oh, okay. I'm here to tell you right now, Ryan, the surfing doesn't look as bad as I remembered it. And in fact, if I'm pausing certain moments of it, because I know he's still using matte paintings, albeit digital, it does look like a very interesting painting. Uh, not not a master masterpiece painting, just an interesting painting. Um, but the scene where he's in the submarine, when he's getting into when he's uh, like going into L.A. after getting the mission from uh, Cliff Robertson and Stacey Keach, that that CGI is so ambitious. It's almost incredible that they tried because it doesn't. I mean, doesn't it does not hold up today at all. But it's it's like looking at a render a, a previs rendering before they do the actual effects on say like an Avengers movie where I'm like, you know, if they had like pulled this off somehow in the '90s, this would have been the greatest thing ever. Because <laughs> like, uh, he's trying to like they have him sifting in the submarine through the different parts of LA. Uh, the he like torpedoes over the a submersed Universal Studios at one point. Uh, it, it's it's too ambitious for its own good. But I also don't know, I thought about this and I realized that you've got to judge Escape from LA on the same yardstick as Escape from New York, where Escape from New York doesn't have an immense budget. It's pretty like still low rent by comparison to other action films, even in the eighties. So it's almost like John Carpenter just utilize the same approach for this because it's still the scale is only on los angeles island anywhere else it's still that same scale as it is in escape from new york where the prison fortress is still pretty like standard and lightly decorated um the final scene has the whole police military marching in the middle of a forest like you know it's still running off of that avco embassy mentality of like tighten the budget so I, I've never looked at what the actual number for the budget on this film was, but it's almost like he just did the same techniques that he did the first time. And regardless of the visual effects, L.A. Uh, in Escape from L.A. still looks like it's, 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 it's immaculately wonderful production design of just like insanity, like cranked up to a billion. Um, when it's not, cgi early cgi it looks incredible because it still has texture and feel to it um and also bruce campbell's makeup looks more uh registrable this time around because <laughs> i never felt like i could fully embrace what that creation of his is supposed to be on his face ryan but on the blu-ray <laughs> it's super clear not where the lines are but where like certain textures in his smile and like his 
surge, uh, his facial surgery um, areas are supposed to be from all the plastic surgery he's had. It's like a really cool character he got to play. Um, I, I mean, I've been saying that I wish that Bruce Campbell would play a villain, like a truly despicable villain. I'm not, you, you may know of an actual one, Ryan, but is this the closest we get? <laughs> I know he's like supposed to be an asshole in crime wave, but um, I don't know of any yeah. other role that he would have been like truly a douche. Like, um, I actually can't think of one off the top of my head. Give me a second. Mm-hmm. But anyway, and yeah, it's uh, regardless of like the, all the things I've expounded about on escape from LA, it's still a fun ass time. It's basically the first movie. Not everything holds up. I think Pam Greer's character might be the one thing where I'm just like, that does that, that this, this is weird, but uh, but everything else around it has an interesting idea behind it that still has something to go off of. Um, obviously, uh, the revolutionary character in this one is not as menacing as the Duke of New York, but he carries his own little weight to him. Uh, I think it's just interesting that Cliff Robertson and Bruce Campbell are in a um, uh, in a movie together <laughs> that isn't related to a Spider-Man. <laughs> Um, so yeah, and that's all I watched this week. Um, speaking of Bruce Campbell, I picked up a film, uh, from the aforementioned Severin, uh, called, that I've never seen before called Running Time. And it's a film that's one continuous shot, um, shot by Josh Becker, who did a couple other films with Bruce Campbell, um, in it. Bruce Campbell plays a guy who gets out of um, prison after he's been in there for five years for taking the fall for his friend. And as soon as he gets out, he sets up a way where he can rob the prison of a lot of money. And the film takes place like in a, in a like delivery truck, kind of like a UPS truck. Um, they get a couple more guys to their crew that they pick up throughout the uh, beginning of the film. Uh, Bruce Campbell meets a girl that he kind of falls in love with. Um, It's a really clever movie. I mean, I think it's maybe 75 minutes long. Um, And I mean, obviously you can tell when uh, there's a cut in it, but there is, you know, five, 10 minute long single takes. Um. And it's just kind of cool because it, it's a fun technique. And there's an interview with Bruce Campbell on the disc. And if you ever have the opportunity to listen to Bruce Campbell talk about his projects, they're always fun. Um, but just hear the audiobook of If Chins Could Talk. Yeah. That's a he, great uh, audiobook. <laughs> he says that the movie cost uh, maybe $100,000 and they shot it in 10 days. Um, yeah. And, uh, yeah. So it's a really interesting film, uh, just because it's an really like independent movie and, you know, they don't have a lot of money and they're relying on, um, some shots. And it's cool. Cause Bruce Campbell talks about how there's a scene where he's in this apartment with this girl and, they would have, you know, him and her talking. And then as he would leave the room, the camera guys would have to follow 
them and they'd have to put all these stuffed animals back in the scene where the uh the film crew and everybody else were staged so there's a continuity to it so they would have to redress the set while they were filming another location and then when the camera went back the set was dressed again so it's kind of cool to uh, hear how they did it and um yeah the film is you know it's okay i mean it's fun um it's just kind of cool to see it and it's really fun to see this uh gem of a film that i've never even heard of kind of just pop up on the radar and the uh reverse reverse art on it's really cool it's bruce campbell pointing a gun and running with a big bag of money um I, I watched Event Horizon for the first time in a long time. Um, Scream Factory put out a collector's edition. Um, Commentary by Paul W. Sanderson, please. Uh, he's it says just Paul Anderson on it, so this is before he was Paul W. S. Anderson. Oh, I mean, <laughs> but, but Ryan, let's let's not beat around the bush. Paul W. S. Anderson, what do you have to say? <laughs> yeah, you know, again, the thing with Paul W. S. Anderson is his films look cool. Um, they usually lack in um, story. Yeah. And, and this one is maybe his most cohesive script. Um, <laughs> and it's the um, Samuel plays a doctor who gets on board a ship that's headed to mm-hmm. um, the event horizon, which is a ship that was lost for seven years that just randomly reappeared. And what's unique about the event horizon is it can like fold space and basically go through a portal to get places really fast. And it's never overtly said in the film, but it's basically, it went to hell mm-hmm. and came back and, um, fucked up shit ensues. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The CGI is really bad in it. Um, they have floating bottles and, other stuff going on um, that I'm sure looked really cool in 1996 or 97. I forget when it came out. And I, I remember when I first, I saw this later on, but I heard people in film school saying how insane it was and watching it and like, yeah, the CGI is not great, but like watching it and going like, this is like, imagine what it would have been to sit in the theater when this first came out. <laughs> yeah. But the, I mean, the, Practical effects are really cool. There's a scene where Sam Neill rips out his eyes. Mm-hmm. Um, some of the other stuff is is really interesting. Um, what's really interesting about the Scream Factory release of it is on the back of the uh, Blu-ray, it has these special features listed, and it has just the ones that were on previous Blu-ray release, the previous Blu-ray release of it. They don't mention there's like 11 new interviews on it with the director, um, like second unit people, some actors. So it's really weird that they didn't mention that on the back of the Blu-ray. So do know that if you pick up the Blu-ray, there is about another hour and 40 minutes of interviews that they don't mention on the Blu-ray. <laughs> packaging. Not, not, not even on the inside, because um, sometimes no. on the outside they condense it. Okay. No, it just lists like a new 2K scan and then all the previous extras that were already on there. I don't know if they didn't know which ones they would exactly have on it because of the pandemic. Because all the interviews you can tell are 
uh, conducted over Zoom or Skype or something. Yeah, which maybe, is fine. Maybe maybe they were. Yeah, maybe they were running into a weird deadline on that. So huh. yeah, um, and it's fine. I mean, they, it still works. I mean, they're just not as visually pleasing as some of their other interviews. No, um, but, but it'll make do, Ryan. Until the what, <laughs> there's a really interesting tidbit with Paul W. S. Anderson. He talks about. Um, he was actually going to make Soldier with uh, Kurt Russell after Mortal Kombat. Uh-huh. And uh, Kurt Russell wanted to take a year to get in really good shape. So then he <laughs> decided to do Event Horizon while he's waiting for Kurt Russell. Uh-huh. And um, so he made Event Horizon in 10 months or something. And uh, then went right into Soldier. When's the last time you watched Soldier, Ryan? Oh, pff when it came out okay brad you've seen it right nope uh i'd like your thoughts on it too i i don't hate soldier it's not good but i don't hate it like i liked watching kurt russell basically give a silent film performance but yeah it's, it's, it's not a great film. movie yeah it's it's got it's got its interesting moments to where it's like i don't i still need to go through the resident evil series that's on my big on to-do list but i don't uh, I still maintain my favorite Paul W. Sanderson film is his remake of Death Race because I think it just hits all the right notes for me. Uh, yeah, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> um, and the last thing I watched is last week the Steelbook 4K of Beauty and the Beast was on sale at Best Buy, uh, mm-hmm. the animated one. And I've never seen a 2D animation in 4K. And um, yeah, it's pretty stunning the uh it it just the colors look better um obviously the the soundtrack is better because it goes to you know there's nothing else on the disc but the film and the music Mm -hmm. um and i didn't know if i would actually notice a difference in it that much but you can uh it's brighter the colors pop a little more um i mean the movie itself is a classic and a a great film so yeah uh, it's uh, it's interesting when you watch it, and I haven't seen it in a long time, but it's so ingrained in pop culture that you remember like every beat of the movie. Yeah. Um, well, you know, Ryan, if it ain't Baroque, don't fix it. Hey-oh! <laughs> uh, I oh. always think uh, my, my favorite film, song in it, I know everyone's, you know, Be Our, Be My Ga- Be Our Guest, which is animated spectacularly, mm-hmm. um, or Beauty and the Beast won Best you know, Song at the Oscars. But I always love Gaston. Oh my god, uh, that song's great. Because <laughs> it's so fun and my uh, friend Brandon used to sing it all the time because mm-hmm. Gaston was his favorite character in <laughs> Beauty I, and the Beast. We, you, we've, I've been wanting for a while to, <laughs> to recreate that, Ryan, with Spencer Kane playing Gaston. <laughs> nice. <laughs> I think that could totally work. Um, Probably could. So you hadn't done like Lion King when they put it out on 4K? No, because I never felt like this urge to get it in 4K, you know? Okay. Um, Brad Brad and I looked at the Lion King 4K on my TV when it came out, and you could tell the difference. Um, Oh, yeah. I mean, it's pretty easily uh, noticeable. You know, I I went through the same thing with uh, black and white on Blu-ray. Mm-hmm. You know, I said, this is going to look great. And I remember putting in Dick Van Dyke season one and I went, holy cow, this is unbelievable. Yeah. Um, 
It's a Wonderful Life was my exposure to it. Uh, yeah. That with the Christmas uh, edition that I watched in December, I'm like, oh yeah, this is worth the upgrade. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. I need Casablanca oh, yeah. um, in 4K oh, yeah. ASAP. <laughs> the the 4K It's a Wonderful Life is absolutely stunning. Yep. Um. Yep, and that's what I watched this week. Um. This week on Real Nerds, we went to see Nobody. Nobody, nobody, nobody. Brad, should people see Nobody? Uh, yeah, I, I had fun with it. Um, but uh, I don't know. I was uh, actually a little underwhelmed, I guess. Um, I don't think they really took advantage of... Like, the premise of Bob Odenkirk being an action hero alone is just like so mind-boggling that uh yeah i expected more comedy out of it i guess um and he's good in a like in a more dramatic role here i don't know it's just kind of missing something for me zach um i absolutely think you should uh i i i went in with the uh, with a proper amount of expectation of like well there's going to be some humor in it. What's the humor going to be? And it's a dark comedy. Like, so I met it on that level. Um, it's basically, I appreciated watching him kind of do a performance that subverts the John Wick of it all that we've experienced since 2014. And I got a good kick out of it. Uh, I think it's very well shot. I think it's well acted. Um, so yeah, it was a very nice, pleasant surprise. And uh, Christopher Lloyd, holy shit. We'll talk about it. Yeah, I think I'm in Zach's camp. I actually had a lot of fun with this movie. Um, (laughs) I I think where Brad was cold in it, I actually really kind of enjoyed it. Um, You know, where... Well, I'll talk about it. You should see this film. Um, Here's a trailer for Nobody. So they took maybe 20 bucks and an old watch? Mr. Madsen... Did you even take a swing? No. Could have taken her, Dad. Heard you had some excitement last night. I wish they'd have picked my place, you know? Why didn't you take him out? I was just trying to keep the damage to a minimum. Yeah, how's that working out for you? You're okay, because you don't look okay. There's a long dormant piece of me that so very badly wants out. What are you still doing here, old man? I'm gonna fuck you up. been a hell of a day you can see that for 12 years i worked for some very dangerous people everybody get to the basement what is happening don't call 911 i used to be what they call an auditor the last guy anyone wants to see at their door because it meant you didn't have long to live. But I left it behind to start a family. Hey, hey! 
I might have uh, overcorrected. When you left, you abandoned a certain debt that needs repayment. And your creditor is aware of your resurrection. They came after my family. They stole my kitty cat bracelet. And you don't fucking do that. Give me the goddamn kitty cat bracelet. You look like shit, Dad. You should see the other guys. Who the fuck are you? Me? I'm nobody. In theaters only March 26th. Uh, in Nobody, Bob Odenkirk plays a guy named Hutch, and he works at his wife's dad's manufacturing company or something like that. It, yeah, <laughs> and, it's just just a manufacturing company. I have no idea what the fuck they're building. <laughs> yeah, and uh, every probably windshields. I think. <laughs> yeah, some it's interesting. Bulletproof <laughs> windshields. Um, yep. <laughs> uh, did you see it at Alamo, Brad? No, I watched it over here at the Highlands Ranch. <laughs> before, what's cool at the Alamos, they showed nothing but a bunch of like revenge trailers before it. And just before, the last thing they showed, though, was from Mr. Show, where uh, Bob Odenkirk is uh, spreading that, like, was it mu- mustard mayonnaise all over? <laughs> mustard <stuff>? anise. <laughs> yeah, mustard anise. <laughs> and his daughter dies before he's done spreading mayonnaise and mustard. <laughs> It's totally stupid. And they oh, also show my life. <laughs> yeah. uh, the Space Ghost with him and David Cross, where he's like, shoot me again with your ray. <laughs> they should have done the one where he uh, does the ransom for the toe. Oh, yeah. <laughs> anyways, it was fun. Uh, but yeah, anyways, every day is the same for him. And something happens where people break into his house and he can't believe he let it happen. And you slowly learn that he is an auditor who goes and takes care of problems for the United States government. Mm-hmm. Um, and it kind of unleashes who he is. Yeah. It plays out. Like it starts off with him being this ticking time bomb of like yeah. pent, pent up energy from years living this second life that he's built for himself. <laughs> um, like <laughs> I <laughs> actually, I don't remember in the trailer there being a, I, I don't know if they took this out for the trailer, but I don't remember there being a cat in the trailer when he's uh, uh, handcuffed and being interrogated. But them doing that quick cut of his routine and kind of building us into his frame of mind to that point. And just the the whole idea of having Bob Odenkirk play this middle mid-age crisis film in the form of an action hero movie, like this could have easily gone down a death wish route. And that's what I thought it was with the trailers. But then just to see that it just unfolds in a full on John wick type style movie, I was like, Oh no, this is absolutely wonderful. Um, The scene on the bus, I loved it from the perspective that it starts off when he's about to mess them up and he goes in, like there's no music for the first part of it. And then it kicks on some music as soon as it's almost like it's, he's earned it. Like, I don't know how else to describe it. Yeah, like, well, yeah, what's cool about that 
scene is it takes him a little bit to get into who he is, mm-hmm. yeah. um, you know, because he's so rusty. And uh, <laughs> the yeah, it's uh, that, but yeah, I love the music in it too. They did really fun with uh, music throughout the film. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I just had a lot of fun with it. There's the uh, scene where he. Uh, um, uh, he's uh, he's going to he's trying to figure out when they bre- so people break into his house that's the catalyst of the film is that the people break into his house and he does nothing about it but you don't re- learn until later that the reason he held back was because he didn't want to harm somebody who had an empty gun but he's tracking down the people who broke into the house and he winds up at a tattoo parlor with uh, a fake FBI badge a gun and a wad of money and somebody recognizes his tattoo with the poker cards on it. And he goes, excuse me. And he says, thank you for your service. He shuts the door and just leaves his other three cronies in the tattoo shop. And he's just basically going like, you're on your own fuckers. Well, there's also a, like a Mel Brooks Looney Tunes moment in that where the dude's locking the door with a bunch of locks. Yeah. And then you see the window. <laughs> he looks through the yeah. window. Um, and, uh, and then the, uh, uh, the, I liked how they played the villain. I love the angle that like, he doesn't really care that his family, that like about the family member that got beaten the shit out of, but for him, it's a matter of inconvenience and like, (laughs) like a matter of principle for him. (laughs) And he's also like, I don't really want to be guarding the Russian mafia's money. Like, Like this, this is. I'd rather be this like peppy like singer at my nightclub. <laughs> oh, and uh, when he's uh, when they have that confrontation after he's burned the Russian mob money and he's just like, oh yeah, burned it all. You should have seen it go up. <laughs> it's almost like he's like making fun of those serious moments for action heroes. Like, I always feel like this this movie has to have some form of Bob Odenkirk sense of humor in it. One, because he produced it, but number two, like it's just like you're putting Bob Odenkirk in an action movie. How you're not going to lean into that, I don't know. And thankfully they do. Uh, can we talk about Christopher Lloyd now? <laughs> uh, yeah, Brad, give us your thoughts real fast. Uh, not too much. Like, yeah, like it was fun in places. I don't know. I just, I don't know. I can't put my finger on like why I wasn't like just totally enjoying it you know like the the finales you know a lot of times it just felt like it was a like excuse to do action like the the story just built around the set pieces so like that was you know a lot of the you know the bus thing and then the thing at the end were great um but like everything in the middle i just kind of like was waiting a little long to like you know figure out like you know where's this going um mm-hmm. uh yeah seeing christopher lloyd <laughs> as an action star too uh <laughs> was great to think th- did not expect that to happen um but yeah that this is it's not it's a it's not a deep movie so not, not much else to talk about like you know it's really just a revenge thing where um you know this guy who's chosen a life that has kind of dulled him a bit um, gets back in the game and um, you know he doesn't really kind of everything goes his way you know there's not a lot of a lot of adversity as he 
gets back on top, you know. He kind of always has the upper hand on the villain. So there there is a there is an element of it that I do wish was there. But I don't really care that it's not like super present because there is like this conflict established between him and his son after he uh uh after they get robbed that night and but it seems like it's super resolved super quickly after he's gotten his violence fix um so i almost wish that there was some kind of like smaller arc within there between the father and the son but it's also kind of like i don't think that this movie has enough time to deal with that (laughs) it it could have but yeah um there's stuff like the kitty cat bracelet like i thought that was going to be the catalyst for like a lot of humor like he's going after this uh <laughs> like silly thing but I, like that's it like that's really like the silliest part of it i actually love that that joke just pops up randomly in the middle of him giving this i there's this is a funny gag is that he's keeps trying to do his exposition speech <laughs> like that every action hero would give of just like i i'm I was in the jungle in Vietnam for 20 years and then I retired and I settled in suburbia. Yeah, that was and, die and, before he finishes. The... Yeah, they, yeah, they either die or they fall asleep on him. <laughs> and him, like, said, I actually thought it was inventive. Like, you know, if, if you're going to have your, your lair go up in flames, just start a record of What a Wonderful World by Louis Armstrong. <laughs> that just sparks and sets the room on fire. Like, he's really, he's really good at delivering action pieces what i like is that it's set amidst this world where everybody fears him but also nobody like is particularly interested in hearing anything he has to say <laughs> um and uh oh, it's great whole... when he uh gets his brother-in-law like you know he takes all the gold to his <laughs> father-in-law he's like yeah. i want to i'm gonna buy it like he gives him the really good offer in the brother-in-law's yeah. like uh, what about what, what about my say? He just punches. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's, like, he's like, what he's am just, I going to do? And he's like, I don't give a shit. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's well, that's a funny moment too, where his brother says he points a gun at his head. He's like, relax, the safety's on. Oh wait, yeah. wait, <laughs> now it's on. <laughs> These are like nice little like sly moments in there. Yeah, uh, and then like that's like that's one of the underwhelming things is like you put it in the refrigerator like early on in the movie and you're expecting it to come back later, and it comes back later, but it's really just like as an extra like oh, good thing that was there because I ran out of bullets. Like it, it's not as creative as you know him taping the the uh what's it called the the bomb the claymore uh, claymore to it, yeah mm. to the to the plexiglass shield or whatever yeah. <laughs> what does Christopher Lloyd say after the word after he blows that dude up he's like yuck <laughs> <laughs> something like that and yeah. then Christopher Lloyd giving uh, his other son shit for getting shot <laughs> <laughs> good stuff I there I love when they when the two Russian gangsters go in to subdue Christopher Lloyd and he gets the upper hand on him and then they have the orderly come in and go like, you got to turn that TV down. <laughs> he just goes, okay. And he's holding the guy's mouth and basically suffocating him. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was so happy to see Christopher Lloyd up and about because when I, when we last saw him in going in style, I just assumed he was on the outs, but God damn it. Motherfucker can still walk around and do shit. And I love it. Um, and Isn't I'm glad it? that, Riza finally showed up. 
Um, well, no, he's in a yeah. Lloyd's in another movie that came out not too long ago from somebody I went to film school with, but I don't remember what the movie's called. There's uh, a trailer for something ahead of this that I saw. I can't remember what it was, but yeah, I was like, Christopher Lloyd's in that. He's having a he's having a resurgence. You know, I I mean, I I know I this he's steadily is, been working anyway, but yeah, yeah. It's funny though, thinking about watching him in an old folks home. It's just like, yeah, but my brain is tuned into him as Doc Brown to the point where I've just thought he was always old. If if it wasn't for the fact that he's in One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest and his hair is not in, in any like elderly fashion, I would I would have gladly gone on my whole life thinking he was just eternally old. Oh, senior moment. That's yeah. the trailer I saw with uh, William Shatner. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You went to Highlands Ranch too, didn't you? Oh yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. But anyway, yeah, it's a fun movie. Uh, I enjoyed it. I can we? I want to. I want to throw this out in the universe. No sequel. It's fine on its own. Don't need a universe. <laughs> it, it seems like it. It's in the vein of John Wick, where uh, like there's this other organization. Do you yeah. really work for the? Do you really work for the FBI or just his, his dad? Like he just took the, the I, badge. My assumption is that his dad worked for the FBI, but then he went into the same organization that he then goes into. I actually liked, the, I liked the way they established that everybody's afraid of him as they do that blackmail thing. And then she gets the information for uh, the Russian gangster and she throws the information on his desk and goes like, don't worry, no charge. Goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And then on the on the official documents, it literally says nobody. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I feel like you could John Wicked still and like create a deeper organization thing, like the Continental and stuff easily. Or or we find a way to get Universal and Lions or Summit to play with each other and let nobody get inside the John Wick universe. <laughs> it would be amazing is if a sequel like David Cross was the villain. Oh, that'd be awesome. Oh, oh that's asking for too much. <laughs> or that's asking for what we need. Well, it's it's what we want, but it's it's the it's the it's the sequel we need, but not the sequel we deserve as a people. Nobody nobody versus Ronnie Dobbs. <laughs> <laughs> you can't harm me, I got entitilitis. <laughs> entitilitis is what took me. Cool. Uh, I've, got uh, run, I've got Run Ronnie Run in my base in my basement now. I want to rewatch that. It's a fun one. And yeah. I watched that Bunny in a dogs, long time. Dogs. Oh, that's that doesn't play well. No, oh, it's still funny. Um, I, was, I was reading about it. I totally like. There's a Mandy Patinkin like play version of it, like in the movie. Like I just I have not seen that in a long time. Yep. Do not remember yeah. that at all. DVD is hard to come by. I got it. Good thing I own it. Yep, so do I. Uh, next week is Godzilla versus Kong. Yep. So stay tuned for that. Thanks for listening, as always. What's after that, by the way? Um, I was going to try and figure I'm, out after the show. Okay. Well, yeah, I mean, the week after that one is Mortal Kombat, so. Oh, get over here. We'll finish it. Yes. Kato wins. Thanks, guys. Talk to you later. Mm -hmm. Bye. Bye.
Thank you for listening to this episode of Real Nerds Podcast. Real Nerds Podcast is a production of Nebulous Visions Multimedia. Thank you to Sparks Mandrill and Plan 9 Studios for our kick-ass theme song. Also, if you're in the Denver area and you're looking for a cool place to see movies, we see them at the Alamo Draft House in Littleton and now also in Sloan's Lake. Thank you to Colorado Coins, Cards, and Comics for supplying us with all our comic needs, especially you, Andrew. You know who you are. And a big shout-out to James's mom. I'm giving you an electronic hug that you can feel through the airwaves. Thanks for listening, and have a nice day.